the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. We're glad to have you listening in this week and for joining the show. It's going to be a little bit different episode this week. Uh, Danny is not with us right now. He may pop in a little bit later if he gets free. He is traveling, doing some recruiting and training uh, for his church plan that they are launching. So, But thankfully, you don't have to listen to just me. We've got a great guest that's going to join us here in just a little while. But I'm excited about this episode because it's going to look a little bit different than some of the episodes we've done in the past. One of the things we're wanting to do is take our episodes and, and choose a passage of Scripture and then just apply it to ministry and life and see how can we just like put this passage into practice? What can we do with that? So we're going to do these kind of episodes from time to time. I hope you enjoy them. Let us know. You can uh, respond on social media or wherever you find uh, the podcast. And we'd love to hear what you think about it. But today we, I do have a guest with me. Glad to have someone I consider a new friend. Didn't know him before we started uh, messaging back and forth about uh, the podcast, uh, other than on social media, but glad to have Bart Barber joining us this week on Chair Two Leaders. Hey, Ben, it's great to be here. Thanks for joining us. Well, Bart, for those who may not know you, um, take just a minute and introduce yourself. Tell us about where you serve, what God's doing with you, and how He's gotten you where He's got you. Sure. Uh, I was born in God's country uh, in the uh, in the natural state, state of Arkansas. Uh, not, uh, not anywhere quite as picturesque as Conway, Ben, I was born in Lake City, Arkansas, which, uh, from here in Texas, I tell people drive to Arkansas, keep driving until it's not pretty anymore. And, uh, that's where I came from, uh, was, you know, my family, uh, were, uh, very committed Southern Baptist church goers grew up in that, um, realm. Um, uh, God brought me to faith really young. Uh, I accepted Christ when I was just almost six and um, called me to ministry really young. I surrendered to pastoral ministry when I was 11. Um, so uh, so I got an early start. I uh, preached my first message on a mission trip when I was 15. Uh, started pastoring uh, New Hope Baptist Church in Black Oak, Arkansas, which is the place that that band was named after. Uh, and uh, um, Jim Dandy to the rescue was their big hit in case you're wondering. And, uh, um, so anyway, I, um, I, I pastored that little church when I was a senior in high school, uh, and then, um, left from there, uh, because, uh, probably the most important thing I learned was that I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And, uh, so I went to get some training, uh, went to Baylor university in Waco, uh, Texas. I met my wife there, completed a degree there, uh, and then um, pastored a little church while I was there. And um, then uh, Tracy and I got married. I went to Southwestern, uh, gave them uh, all of the money that I had and some more. Uh, and uh, that's what and you do in seminary. That was basically it. And then uh, 15 years of my life, too. Uh, by the time I got it all done and uh, served uh, at 
Mill Creek Baptist Church in Mill Creek, Oklahoma, and then Trinity Baptist Church in Roy City. Uh, in 1997, that's in the middle of all that. I'd finished my MDiv. It was before I went back to school. Um, uh, my dad got cancer and uh, passed away. And in the six months before he passed away, my home church was without a pastor. I went back to Lake City, uh, served there in a three-year interim, and uh, then wound up in Farmersville, Texas. I've been here 23 years. God's blessed me and Tracy with two kids. Uh, and, a, and a long-suffering and patient church who uh, has has been good to us over the course of all these years. And um, uh, along the way, part of what I did uh, in studying, um, I think educationally, I'm qualified as an expert on Southern Baptist fusses. I wrote about the wrote about the last big argument that we had uh, that resulted in a split, actually, of the SBC uh, in 1902. And um, so, so I've come to really care about uh, Southern Baptists, about our polity, uh, about cooperatively how we work with one another. And um, so, uh, so anyway, if anybody knows about me who doesn't live in Farmersville, it's probably because either I've written about some of those things or I've served in a way or two small ways uh, for the convention. Uh, or I'm a loud mouth on Twitter and uh, Facebook and, and platforms like that. And you also, you're a pastor to Matt Hensley, who's been on the podcast before. So there probably are, you know, special jewels in your crown that you will receive one day for, for doing that. Uh, yeah, um, I'm, um, uh, I've stocked up on mailox because I'm afraid that the, uh, the, 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 the inflation that we have right now might make it difficult for me to <laughs> to keep stomach ulcers away from being Matt's pastor but uh but no really genuinely uh, nobody could hope for a fellow pastor he's uh I, I'm I'm a pastor with Matt he's actually he's an assistant preaching pastor here at the church and um and um nobody's more blessed than I am in terms not just of him but James Cheeseman Tracy O'Neill and that James Nancy and with the whole staff here yeah. Uh, it's just a, a real encouraging blessing to me to serve alongside them. Yeah. If you don't know, if you don't follow Matt and Bart both on social media, make sure you do that because it's it's fun to even see their banter back and forth. It's and it, if you need something that's wholesome and entertaining, you can most of the time on the wholesome part, I would say uh, you can follow them. But actually, Bart, the just the interaction that I had seen with you on Twitter and in social media, it was one of the reasons I thought of you to invite you in for this episode. Because what this verse, I think you embody it in the way you handled discourse there in social media world. But today I want us to talk about Philippians 4, 5, which says this, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. I think sometimes we, that verse before, we rejoice in the Lord always, and we do all those others with everything in prayer and supplication. We go to those, and we might skip over this verse sometimes when we're reading through this passage. But I want to just kind of dive in and just talk about how do we let reasonableness be a marker on our life? How is that to live out and so people known that we're a reasonable person? And what does that look like? Well, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, one interesting thing about that, there's, there's a, a family, sort of a collection of words in the New Testament that convey an idea of gentleness or reasonableness. 
And this is not the one you think it is, uh, actually, here in Philippians 4, 5. Uh, the, the far and away, really, the most prominent word in that family uh, is the word that appears in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. It talks about uh, gentleness and self-control. The gentleness that's there uh, is in this word family. Uh, you find the, the same uh, the same word appearing in the Beatitudes. So, um, so, so that word prautes is, is very, very prominent. Uh, but this one uh, is in that same family, meaning family of words, but it's a different root, different stem, it's a totally different word. And um, the, a lot of the basic meaning of it is not just reasonableness, but forbearance. And uh, forbearance suggests uh, that you have some kind of a legitimate gripe that you're willing to let go, right? Um, that, uh, that, that you have, at least in your own mind, that you're, that you're entitled to, um, um, if you don't mind my getting into the news, you're entitled to walk up and slap somebody in the face, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, because they've, there was an incident that happened last night when we we're recording this. That it happened in the in the news, <laughs> if you know what's going on. Yeah, with well, the Oscars. Yeah, right. so uh, I think uh, if you've got a uh, not to delve too much into this Bible study podcast, but um, uh, you know if uh, you've got you've got a wife who has a medical condition that's causing her to lose her hair. That's very traumatic. Uh, for women, and might I say, not great for men either. Uh, and uh, and so um, she, so that, so jokes being made about her at the Oscars. Will Smith gets mad about that. Uh, I think a lot of people would would be the first to say that they wouldn't like a joke like that being made about their wife. Uh, that um, that they'd feel some obligation to rise to her defense or whatever um uh forbearance is the act of knowing that those things are legitimate and yet saying but i'm not going to act on that i'm gonna i'm gonna restrain myself really uh, one of the great verses i think for understanding what this idea means titus 3 2 uses this word in a string of other words where it says you're supposed to not malign anyone, you're supposed to be peaceable, and then it uses this word, gentle, uh, showing every consideration for all men. So I think the the, the basic meaning uh, when it says that we're supposed to be uh, people whose reasonableness is is known to the world around us, uh, it's it's suggesting that that people should know about us that, um, you know, I had a, a mentor in ministry who had a friend. He said, he'll fight you at the drop of a hat uh, and he'll drop the hat for you. Uh, and so. Uh, I know that you know, guy, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so the idea is to be the opposite of that. Some people, some people love to have a fight. They, they're looking for a fight. They, they are a fight looking for a place to happen. That's right. And uh, instead, uh, the whole world should know about you. If you're going to live out this verse, the whole world should know about you that you're the opposite. You're conflicted ver- averse. Uh, you're even when you have a legitimate 
uh, gripe, you're willing to forbear against that. You're willing to let that go. I looked up a couple different translations the way they did it, and you hit on most of the words that other translations use for this verse other than the reasonableness. But there's a couple that I really liked how they said it. The NASB is, let your gentle spirit be known. And then Mm -hmm. the New Living Translation, let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Yeah. I thought those were kind of a little twist on it in our language that kind of puts a fuller understanding maybe to that word. Yeah, I think they're really picking up on that idea in Titus, where the idea of giving consideration to all men comes in the immediately following phrase after this word is invoked there in Titus. When we live this out, so we see, okay, here's what it means. to. How do we put that into our ministry? What about for the pastor or the student minister or music minister? How do you see that working out in the function of ministry? And maybe not even interpersonally, but maybe first we'll consider in that role as how you lead and how you're before the people of the church. Well, um, I, I think that there's an element to this that um, that pushes back against scorekeeping. And uh, I think it's, it's easy to be somebody in ministry uh, who keeps score in some negative ways that can, that can get in the way of leadership at church. Uh, if, you're, if you're compiling a list of grievances, of, of slights, of the way that, uh, that the church didn't give you what you thought you'd earned in terms of acknowledgement or honor or, um, or, or whatever else, uh, your shelf life is probably not real long uh, in leadership in church because uh, because that that's going to happen. Uh, look at the example that we have in Christ or in the apostles; uh, they're they're constantly being uh, being under honored, under assessed, under followed, under under everything else, and. Um, so you might have legitimate gripes in that way that you need to let go. Uh, I've known people in pastoral ministry who, uh, you know, two things that I think are just really poison to, pa- to pastoral leadership uh, within a church uh, in any pastoral position uh, or really in any staff position. If you get to the point that you think whoever disagrees with me is on the side of Satan. And uh, man, I've encountered that and folks who just, you know, they, 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 they want to do something, maybe something trivial, maybe something really not even all that spiritual that has to do with a building or a decoration or a programming change or whatever else. And, and they're like, man, the devil's got a hold of these folks, in my church and they're, um, and, and so if you're, if you're, if you don't have some forbearance, against some of those offenses. If, if the practice that you have is the first time somebody disagrees with you, you move them off of the ally list. To the enemy Pick list. them up off of there and you put them on the enemy list and there they stay. Then that's where you wind up with the average tenure of people on staffs that we have because it's only gonna take you two or three years at the most to wind up with that enemy, enemy list a whole lot longer. Uh, then your ally list is going to be, and you're going to be looking for somewhere else to go. And they're going to be looking for somewhere else for you to go. <laughs> That's true. And, and maybe some of the guys who do sit in that second or third chair of leadership role, if you're not the lead pastor of the church, um, you might have some 
greater struggles in this area because there's probably going to be times when the senior pastor or lead pastor gets recognition or gets inclusion in things that you think, hey, I deserve to be there as well. I'm just oh, as yeah. much a pastor. I, you know, why is he getting that special treatment? I deserve that treatment too. Yeah. And you can, your own heart can become corrupted with that type of unreasonableness. Not only that, but the, the, the lead pastor, uh, if you're another pastor on staff or even another staff member, that might be the person that you think is in league with the <laughs> devil. True. That might be the person who, who didn't like your idea or who wanted to lead in a different direction or whatever. That that can be the case too. And I, I think certainly uh, within the staff, uh, we've, man, we've, we've got to let each other uh, swing at the ball and miss some and, um, and, and, and show grace yeah, uh, in all directions for that. We've gotten in our culture where we just have this idea. If you don't agree with me on everything, you're my enemy. And it just, didn't, and it's not just in the church, but it, I, maybe it didn't start in the church. It was out in the culture in general and politics and everything, but it's really infiltrated into the church as well that we've all got to be lockstep on every single understanding issue you know, how we should do stuff, what color the carpet should be from, from that all the way to the broad spectrum. It's rarely on theology, especially in Baptist circles, genuinely on theology of the primary things. But we think if you're not with me on everything, you can't be with me on anything. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's poison. Uh, I've, I've used that word before, but it really is. It's, it's poison for relationships within a church and relationships between churches and uh and, and it's it's poison on any kind of staff to uh to to get to that position I, I think it's far better for us uh you know to some degree this forbearance means um um deciding not to go as far as you can in disagreeing with someone or being angry with someone it, may it, be. Means, it means being willing to look and say i believe that you have the best interests of the church at heart, that you have my best interests at heart, that you want all of us to succeed, and that we just disagree about how. Yeah. And there may be even instances where you may be entitled, and you may be right, and you may be on the right side of, to use a bad phrase, I think, to be on the right side of history, but you may be yeah. on the right side of the argument. But yeah. Sometimes you just have to say, you know, it's not worth the fight. Um, you know, as the old saying goes, you never fight with a pig because you both get dirty and only one of you enjoys it. Um, so sometimes you just got to say, well, <laughs> you don't say this publicly, but I'm just going to let them be the pig. Yeah. <laughs> and let them yeah. Be, and I'm not going to engage the fight. Yeah, absolutely. Forbearance is a big part of leadership. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's so important to, to, to choose battles and not in terms of, sometimes people say choose your battles. They're like, choose the ones that you can win. Um, but more importantly, choose the ones that matter for everyone's well-being and, and for the cause of the kingdom. Yeah, those little things that most of the things, if you look, probably you could probably speak more to this uh, through church history that have caused the biggest divisions was not over big battle issues, or at least it didn't start there. Or it wasn't the final straw. There's all these other little things that really in the broad spectrum weren't that important. It was personality or it was a disagreement on a third level issue. You know, sometimes you've got all of those tracks running at the same time. Certainly Protestants, I think, would have to agree with that because 
you look at a period of time when from a Protestant perspective, Catholics are messing up big stuff, important stuff all over the place. And they'll split the entirety of Christianity over whether to add the filioque clause uh, onto a creed. And I'm not saying that that's not important. I'm just saying that I think there are things that are, that are more clear in the Bible and as important that they're completely messing up, but this is what they split over. And um, so you certainly see that. And then I think also you see sometimes in church history where, um, where you have um, you have at the same time people who have some legitimate reasons they're trying to do some things, but they lock in with people. They're, they're able to build a coalition by uniting with people who don't really have legitimate reasons, but who have personality things or personal power or whatever. Certainly. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And I think you could. It wouldn't take long to look into culture to find that to be true. That yeah. They, Hey, I'm just find somebody who can help me win this argument. So I'm going to buddy up with them for now, even though we were in about yeah. three weeks ago because I want to win this fight. Now let's kind of turn that a little bit. We've talked a little bit in how in ministry, how do we do this in kind of more than one-on-one relationships with interpersonal relationships to one another? And maybe even look at the next phrase, pass that word of reasonableness, let it be known. How do we let it be known in those ways we we communicate with others, live with them, um, and just do life around them. Yeah. Uh, let me talk first about just the importance of it. Um, if, if you're in a marriage where, uh, you're keeping track of every wrong that's ever been done to you and you are taking every opportunity to mention those things and to, uh, and to, and to register (laughs) your grievance, uh, over those things, then, uh, then, then you are going to take up a lot of your pastor's time someday uh, in terms of in terms of counseling uh, to try to try to help your marriage out. That, that's not a healthy way for any relationship to go. I think I think the oil that oils the machinery of every relationship is I'm sorry and I forgive you. And um, I think apart from those things, if you have this this harsh, unreasonable um, lack of consideration for other people where, um, where, where you're prepared to do those things that Timothy was talking about, to malign uh, people and to, and, to, uh, and, and to cause division, then um, you know, the, it's, that's just incompatible with a healthy relationship with anybody uh, interpersonally. Um, as, far as, as far as letting that be known to people, um, I think, um, it's, it's rare enough and noteworthy enough that it gathers people's attention. Uh, if, if people, now, sometimes it goes unrecognized because you're interacting with somebody who does not see the legitimacy of your complaint because they, because they have a really difficult time seeing fault in themselves. That happens. Um, yeah, so, um, ho- however, there's always an audience, right? I mean, if you, uh, if you're in a business meeting at church, I know that we're supposed to be talking about the, the interaction one-on-one with people, but just to use this as a, as an example, a, a lot of times, 
controversy in a business meeting at church flows out of interpersonal controversy and contention that has happened outside of the business meeting that just kind of comes to a head uh, when the church is gathered. Uh, if if you're if you're Baptist, you have a church that has that has business meetings, and um, so so you're in business meeting and um, and it, and it comes up, you know, the an issue comes up and you're you're the one who's maligned. You're the one who's falsely accused. You're the one who, um, who, who winds up being challenged in a negative way. Um, there's, there's that conversation going on between you and that person. But then there's also an audience of all of the people who are out there. And even if the person you're talking to is not the kind of partner in dialogue who's going to walk away and say, you know, I, I was really in the wrong. I, I, I feel bad about the way I acted. Um, even if they're not fair to look at that, the people out there probably are more fair than that person is. And uh, I, think, I think this verse is lived out when you have an opportunity to really stomp on somebody and you don't, but instead you're very kind and reasonable and everybody goes home saying, boy, uh, we learned a lot about that guy's character uh, tonight, didn't we? I read a story about Charles Stanley one time where that happened to him in a business meeting where um, he was there and the person got upset and came up and actually hit him. And he just stood there and didn't respond. And, you know, Charles Stanley is one of those people, I don't know if anybody would just say he's an angry, you know, reasonableness yeah. would probably be a, a descriptor of him by most people, a gracious type person. And that takes a lot to be able to withstand that and endure that when you, especially if you know you're not in the wrong, but to be able to let it be known like that, I'm not going to engage with that type of behavior and argument. Jesus modeled for that, like a lamb is silent before the shearers, right? Uh, and so... Um, so we see that, that, and really the math on this, although it's unfair, this is the way life is. Uh, if you blow your top once out of 20 times, that's what people will think about your character. Right. Uh, and so it, um, so it requires a consistency. It requires either a consistency in terms of letting your reasonableness be known to, to all men. Uh, or um, a consistency to apologize genuinely when you fail. Uh, if you if you do that, that that goes a long way. I lost my temper. I shouldn't have lost my temper. I don't want to be that kind of person. Uh, I apologize. I seek I seek forgiveness. Um, that also is rare. <laughs> it's rare enough. And uh, it's, it's hard to do enough. too. Yeah, yeah. It's That's why it's rare. Just go on and stay mad. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think that if you read the next verses too, it kind of helps. Okay, how do we let this reasonableness be known? Well, the next verse is saying, "Well, don't be worried about everything either. Don't be anxious." Now you're skipping. Here. You're I'm skipping something. You're the, skipping the, something. I don't want us to skip. The right. The Lord is, is okay? at hand. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Because it says the Lord's near. Can I can I try to make an intertextual yeah. connection for you here that I think may be helpful? Um, so the, the idea of the, that the Lord is present, that the Lord is near, I always thought that, um, that this passage, I just had a cross-reference in my mind to the end of Romans 13, where we're told never pay evil for evil to anyone, 
But instead, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to leave room, leave place for the, for the Lord and the Lord's wrath. And the Lord says, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. Um, and then, you know, after that, you get into Romans 13, it talks about government as an avenger and whatever else. And, and that's an important part of this too. But, the, but in both of these cases, what's commended to us is restraint in the presence of challenges against us, attacks against us, restraint in the face of attack. And in both of these cases, the reason why we're told that we can practice restraint in the case of attack is because we have a defender who's close to us and, and we can trust in him. And so I think that's a, I think that's a, a critical part of this sentiment. Yeah, and that Romans passage is that, hey, as much as it depends on you, as far as it's concerning to you, what everything you have to do with it, you be peaceable, you be reasonable. Other yeah. people aren't going to be, but you do. You be that way. And, you know, it has that heaping coals on their head kind of thing. So it may be perfectly legitimate to to smile and, and do the right thing and go home and say, Lord, I can't wait until you get them back. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, Certainly this know. much, even even if it would be better uh, to, and I, I think it would, it'd be better to be more of a father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. That's, that's certainly more Christ-like. I still think it's superior to pray for their comeuppance privately. Uh, <laughs> and, and Lord, I'm praying scripture, what you must do, do quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's better than blowing up on somebody, all over somebody and in front of other people. Exactly. Now, let's let's move to online because it's really easy to blow up with a keyboard when there's nobody in front of you. And I've seen a lot of people whose just reputation has just tanked because of things they say online. They may be the most gracious person. In, matter of fact, I know people like that who in person, they're gentle, they're soft-spoken, but when they're online, they are just harsh. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, before I say a word here, Ben, I think it's important for me to say something that I try to say anytime this topic goes up. There is no mistake that you can make online that I haven't made in, in terms of, of all of this. I, I started blogging in 2006. Uh, that was when really Baptist blogging, the, the granddaddy of all Baptist bloggers, Wade Burleson, uh, had had uh, kind of kicked things off from his spot within the IMB. Uh, and, uh, and I engaged in that and I disagreed with Wade. And, um, and, and, and that was made perfectly and abundantly clear by my writing uh, over the course of a lengthy period of time. Um, I, I have found that my greatest vulnerability is when I need to defend someone else. Uh, if, I, if I see somebody else being pounced on, that's when my fangs and claws come out. And, um, uh, and I, you know, I have, to, I have to be careful. I have to know my own vulnerabilities and, and help myself to, to remember that the Lord is near for me and for others too. Um, I think keys to, to, uh, to operating in this way online that I try to remember are uh, first of all just the 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 fruit of the spirit. The Holy Spirit should show up in what I do in person and online. Uh, I, I reached a point to to finish this narrative. Every mistake you can make online, I've made, 
And um, I, I came to a point where I realized that the Bart Barber people knew online was a lot different from the Bart Barber that my church knew. And you said that just a minute ago, that, that you can really wind up in a spot where who you are online is at odds with who you are in, in person. And that made me evaluate who I was and what I've been doing. And um, so just a, a few rules that I try to follow. Uh, one, um, try to love everybody that you're interacting with online. It's not always easy, uh, but try to love everybody you're interacting with online. Uh, two, speak and tweet and, and post so as to persuade people rather than to conquer people. Uh, I, I think that makes a huge difference uh, right there because a lot of times it's really all we're trying to do is, uh, is push somebody into the dirt and, uh, and let them know who won. Uh, and that's, um, it was really not very productive even. I, I don't know that's a good use of your time uh, to do that. But if you can persuade people of something good, then uh, that probably is worth the use of your time. Uh, and then, uh, you know, try really hard to talk about ideas and issues rather than about, about people. Uh, hey, I'm about to go off. Do you mind if I go off here for a second? I'm going to go off for a second. I'll, I'll push the soapbox your direction. <laughs> that, that'll work. The worst thing that's happening online in SBC life right now, and I'm Southern Baptist, so that context is a context that makes most sense to me. The, the, the worst thing going on is that we have reduced online discourse to the use of labels that carry very little with them in the, idea, in, in the realm of ideas. Undefined, uh, uh, they, they can be applied wherever you wish. And, uh, and, and we mistake labeling somebody with understanding somebody uh, or, or, with, or with making some uh, achievement in the realm of ideas. But that's not what's happening. You can, you can call somebody neo-fundamentalist. And, uh, and the fact of the matter is there's somebody, uh, there's, a, there, there's, a, there's a United Methodist out there that could call every person in the Southern Baptist Convention neo-fundamentalist. And you can call somebody woke, and I promise you, there's an independent fundamentalist King James Version only pastor out there somewhere who can call every person in the Southern Baptist Convention woke or liberal or neo-Marxist or whatever. And those words are absolutely empty of meaning. There is nothing there in terms of ideas. There is only attack. That's all it is. It's just, a, it's just an insult or a slur against somebody. How much more productive is it reasonably seeking not to construe offense wherever you can, but forbearance, right? Seeking to, seeking to uh, assume the best of anybody that you're, that you're talking to, to, to come back and say, can you explain to me exactly what you believe? And uh, one, of my, one of my dear mentors, friends, professors, James Leo Garrett used to say, you're not even ready to debate something with somebody until you can state their point of view so well and so accurately that they say, yes, that's what I believe. That's exactly what I believe. 
then at that point, after you've done that, you're ready to start having the debate. And the reason why people don't want to um, don't want to go through that step, I, I think just uh, this may be assuming motives too, but let me just give, I think because either A, that's really hard. <laughs> you've got to, you've got to work at that. It takes some time uh, to do that. And, and, you know, some folks don't want to spend the time or, or two, uh, that has a, that has a real tendency to keep you from having debate when you find out that you really don't disagree with each other. And so if your objective is to have debate, then this is an impediment. It's a, it's an obstacle to your goal. Uh, yeah, agreement if, and, you know, peaceable conversation doesn't lead to likes and shares. Often that's true. That's true. But you know what? You can build. Uh, you can build a strong following online. There's there there are multiple ways to do that. Uh, what I found is get somebody like Matt Hensley that you can make up insults and uh, <laughs> uh, and all sorts of uh, negativity about and still remain friends. And people will come on just to watch the fake carnage uh, in your account. And fake carnage is so much better than the the real. <laughs> It certainly is. Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. I think there's just so much wisdom in that of just, it's easy for us to understand. Yeah. While I'm in the church foyer, I need to be reasonable. I need to be reasonable in the business meeting. I need to be reasonable out in the community where I am. But there's, we think there's that anonymity sometime of the web, but the truth is there are so many more people who can see it there. There are. And so we really do have to be careful about not only what we're saying and what we're defending, but uh, to use the much maligned tone, we really just need to be gentle in the way we say things. Even when we stand up for a strong belief, a strong thing, it's something that's absolute, we're not going to back down on what sure. we believe, what 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 is right, what is wrong. We still don't have to be combative and argumentative and attacking all the time with it. Don't let the internet tempt you into any Haskellism. Uh, and I, you know, if you ever watched, I, I know I'm old and nobody's watched the things that I've watched, but if you ever watched Leave it to Beaver, there was a character on there called Eddie Haskell, who was a teenager. He was a friend of Wally's, the older boy in that show. Whenever he was around, whenever he was around the parents, he was extremely polite. He was like the nicest kid that you ever met. The minute they're out the door, then he's a troublemaker, right? And so this kind of Eddie Haskellism, where you're reasonable and gentle to the people who can fire you mm. around them in church and your community or whatever. But when you get online around people who cannot fire you, then the parents are out of the room and the door's shut and you can act however you want to. Don't be tempted into that by the, the unique aspects of internet, social media discourse. That's a great idea. I remember some of the Leave it to Beaver. That's back when the world was in black and white still. I That's watched right. some shows of that when I was younger. Yeah. Nick at Night or Nickelodeon or something. Yeah. It, was, it was when I was younger. I don't know if you can still find it or not. I don't, well, it's the internet. You can find everything. That's true. It's all out there. So yeah. you know, what you say on the internet, it's still out there. So, hey, listen, we're searching for a student pastor right now. And, uh, and I kind of wait, you know, I don't want to take a big stack of resumes and try to do a deep internet dive on all of them, but I've got committee members and they have, they have gone through and found everything that these candidates have ever said online. If they ever vented frustration about a former church or, uh, or, or 
said radical, uh, unsettling things about politics or whatever, that committee has found that <laughs> about you. And so you may not know actually who can hire you and who can fire you. It, it, might, it might be good to act like the parents are there all the time. That's good, good advice. Well, Bart, man, I appreciate you joining us. Now I have a couple of questions we wrap up today. Now you are an Arkansas guy. We have sent on some mission work down to the Republic of Texas. So I need to know, have you converted from Yarnell's, which is the Arkansas ice cream, to the Bluebell of Texas? So I'm a absolute Bluebell supporter, 100. Um, percent It's it's uh, the best ice cream in the country. Uh, that's it what their good. slogan says, and and I agree. And actually, uh, uh, we can get Bluebell in Lake City, Arkansas now. They've so, got it up here now. It's giving yeah. Yarnells a run for its money, and I have to agree. It's it's pretty good ice cream. So favorite flavor. Yeah. My favorite flavor, you know, it actually depends if it's a milkshake, mint chocolate chip. But uh, I am real partial to Millennium Crunch. That's good. I'm a Texas two-step guy. So. Oh yeah, that's good too. So, so, so. It's hard to go wrong. Oh, they had that coconut pie flavor that's they released good. not long ago. Son, that was good <laughs> stuff. It's good. It gets good stuff. And if Bart's not. Um, eating Bluebell, you might find him in line for a peach milkshake at Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. I love a good milkshake, and they've got great ones at they Chick-fil-A. Do. They especially. do. I'm glad it's a little on the other side of town from where I live. I don't have to go buy it every day. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, Bart, I appreciate you joining us on Chair 2 Leaders this week. If some of our listeners wanted to catch you online, what's the best way for them to find you, your handle, or how can they connect with you? Yeah, so uh, I remember being on a podcast not long ago, and I had to get the host to tell me what my handle was. But I know now it's it's just Bart Barber, B A R T B A R B E R on Twitter, and then uh, I think uh, I think that was already gone on Facebook when they let you pick handles, and so I think I had to put the doctor on the front of it. So I think it's D R Bart Barber on Facebook. All right, you'll find him if you look him up. He's there, and he's posting frequently often about matt hensley but yes. uh, there's some good encouragement stuff so thanks for joining us this week thanks for listening in let others know about the podcast like and share wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll catch you next time you've been listening to chair two leaders follow us on facebook instagram and twitter for the latest updates and make sure you rate review and subscribe to chair two leaders wherever you listen to podcasts thanks for listening